It's Wednesday. You know what that means. This week on Geek Explained, in the first episode of the new year, we'll be taking a look at all the awesome stuff coming our way in comics, film, TV, and more. So join us for the Geek Explained forecast for 2021. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and welcome to the first episode of 2021. We made it, y'all. We made it. We finally are here. It's a new year, hopefully a much better one than the one we just left. But um, I'm really excited about this episode because not only will we be seeing the return of our new segment as well as a brand new Wildcard Weekly review... But uh, we're talking all the amazing stuff that we've got on the horizon for this year. We're talking films, we're talking TV, we're talking comics, video games. So much is going to be happening this year, and I cannot wait to talk about it. Uh, We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, a stacked comics countdown for this week this whole episode is going to be really really just chock full of um a bunch of stuff we have a lot to catch up on on the news uh like i said a full-on giant-sized comics countdown i think at least 10 books are coming out this week that i'm really excited to talk about so uh with all that said let's go ahead and check in with this week's news All right, guys and dolls, let's talk some news, and boy, do we have a lot of it. Uh, We are catching up on news. If you uh, have been following the podcast, been listening to the podcast for any length of time, uh, you know that for the last um, two episodes, if not more, uh, I kind of took a break from the news just to kind of get away. Uh, I was able to have a very nice and semi-relaxing Christmas vacation. I hope you all were able to as well, as well as a nice uh, tucked-in New Year's. And so we have a lot of news to catch up on. (laughs) I thought at the uh, the beginning of December, I was like, yeah, I'll take a couple weeks off of the news. You know, it's the holidays, so we're not going to be missing out on a a whole lot. And um, the world just looked at me and said, bet. So uh, let's just go ahead and dive into it. We have our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous. We're going to kick things off in the world of miscellaneous news. Uh, Two pieces of video game news. I know, just two, but uh, yeah, two. So uh, first off, a little 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 thing here um apparently fortnite is the place to be if you're a comic book fan when it comes to video games i guess now uh they had that huge marvel uh crossover where they fought galactus and brought in a bunch of different characters with amazing character models and apparently now um 
uh, Stephen Amell's Oliver Queen lives on Fortnite because Arrow, specifically the season eight costume, I believe, uh, that version of Green Arrow is coming to Fortnite. Um, I've, I still, I don't play Fortnite, but for comic book fans who do play Fortnite, this is really exciting for them. So I'm, I'm happy for them. Uh, on the other hand, a not-so-exciting piece of news, uh, CD Projekt Red. We've heard a lot about them recently ever since the disastrous, I want to say the near-catastrophic uh, debut release of uh, Cyberpunk 2077 has um, apparently a lot on their plate right now. They, in, I guess, uh, partnership with... Uh, both Xbox and Sony are working on getting refunds to people who uh, want them, and apparently there are a lot. Uh, they're also dealing with a lawsuit right now from investors that apparently are very mad that they were essentially false advertised for uh, how much success this game is going to have, and... It sucks. It sucks for the developers. You know, we we have to put this blame pretty squarely on the higher ups. You know, I won't pretend to know how that business works or the structure of CD Projekt Red as a, uh, a developer and an organization. But honestly, like, I, I feel terrible. I feel absolutely terrible for those developers who have to deal with this. Um... It's just, it's it's an awful feeling when you know that um, this is something that they poured their hearts into and it was just rushed out the door because executives wanted to get a nice uh, Christmas bonus. So that's unfortunate, but uh, we're going to move on to TV news. Lots of TV news here I'm really excited to talk about. Starting off with some good news for fans of Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, Dante Bosco, who played Zuko, among other characters in the show, revealed that at some point this year we're going to be getting some kind of cast reunion. It'll probably be like a like a virtual panel for something, but that's really exciting. I'm a, I've always been a huge fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, and specifically, I've been a big fan of Dante Bosco's for a very long time. So I'm excited to see this. Uh, it's very nostalgic, especially since we've gotten, um, next to no news on the Avatar series that Netflix is supposedly still putting out. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. But, uh, moving on to something that I'm really excited about. Uh, we got the first teaser for Superman and Lois which is debuting in February, and I'm pretty stoked about this, to be completely honest. Um, I've I've kind of followed along with the progress, you know, the castings, the stories, uh, the new super suit, which I think, you know, looks good. I talked about it uh, before. There are some tweaks I would make on the suit, and I'm sure that as the show goes along, they'll make tweaks to it as well. But uh, I'm really excited about this. The teaser looks good. They know what they're doing. Fingers crossed. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to this. Can't wait for February. Uh, in other news, on the other side of the pond, we've got, uh, two pieces of Marvel news. Uh, first off, WandaVision. WandaVision, as you know, is going to be hitting Disney Plus in a couple weeks. And apparently we're be get, going to be getting more WandaVision than we thought because the episode, uh, the episode count in a 
press release over the past week has revealed that the series has been expanded from six to nine episodes. I hope that that was always the intention and that they don't stretch out things just to fill nine weeks. Um, I'm ass- you have to assume that this is just to get them to uh, to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is popping up in March. So if this starts off in uh, in January, does like a two month run, and then the next week, oh, Falcon and Winter Soldier kicks up. So I get it. I understand that. I hope that each episode is given the time and attention that at least the trailers and the marketing have. Uh, I'm really excited about WandaVision. Really, really looking forward to seeing that. Uh, hit Disney Plus and for all of us to finally be able to watch it. And speaking of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we have a casting announcement. Uh, Elijah Richardson. I am not familiar with him as an actor. Apparently he was on uh, Mr. Robot and Law and Order SVU. Uh, But he possibly, according to rumor, will be playing Eli Bradley. If you don't know what that character is or who that character is, he's Patriot who uh, basically he's the grandson, I believe, of Josiah Bradley, which if you listen to our uh, Captain America episode where I recommended some Captain America stories, you should check out uh, the, uh, I believe it was called uh, Red, White, and Truth, um, or just Captain America Truth, uh, basically told the story of Josiah Bradley as one of the original test subjects for the Super Soldier Serum, an African-American soldier who was put through this and was realistically or actually the first successful uh, super soldier that they created before Steve Rogers ever got the serum. So uh, Elijah is, or Eli is uh, descended from him and still has a little bit of that residual uh, super soldier serum in his blood. So he is also notable for being part of the young Avengers leading the team from time to time. And I told you, I told you that they are slowly, steadily and stealthily building up the young Avengers, or if they want to call them the champions, I still think they should call them the champions, but the marketing is definitely going to like skew towards young Avengers. Um, They're, they're seeding these guys and gals throughout the Disney plus shows. I, I am sure that they are going to eventually be leading up to a, uh, to a crossover series. So we're going to get there one day, mark my words, but on our final piece of TV news, some, uh, distressing news, I think, if, especially if you've, uh, been a fan of the show for the last couple of years, uh, Jodie Whittaker is rumored to be leaving Doctor Who at the end of the next season. Uh, the next season kicks off this fall, I believe. And, Apparently, according to uh, rumors and reports, Jodie Whittaker is going to be stepping away from the TARDIS. Uh, this kind of comes off the back of the of basically half of the cast originally from the TARDIS family that kicked off the Whittaker Chibnall era of the show leaving at the end of the New Year's um, the New Year's special for this year. More on that later. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because I don't think that Jodie Whittaker was ever really given the time to shine. Uh, a lot of people had a lot of opinions right off the bat. And unfortunately, the first season didn't really endear her or the new, um, the new uh, style of storytelling for the show. And 
even though I really enjoyed last season. You can go back uh, in the archives last year and catch uh, our weekly reviews on that. I, I I enjoyed last season. The the season finale really dropped the ball, unfortunately. And it sounds like you know we are going to be heading towards a uh, a, a regeneration at the end of next season. So we'll see what happens. Um, Again, there's been no, you know, official statement by the BBC or Jodie Whittaker herself. So we'll just have to see. And um, hopefully, fingers crossed, we're going to either continue to have Jodie on and she can continue to prove herself as the doctor or um, we'll get a great regeneration out of it. Either way, uh, moving on now to film news. Uh, two big pieces of film news here uh, with a little addendum to one of them. Uh, first, kicking things off with the Fantastic Beasts films. The ones that everybody loves. Everybody loves the Fantastic Beasts films. Ah. Um, we talked before about the uh, possibility of Johnny Depp being re- of Johnny Depp's character Grindelwald uh, being recast in the franchise after he stepped away, and it looks like, uh, as we talked about before on an earlier episode, the rumors are true. Mads Mikkelsen is in fact going to be taking up the role. Uh, I love Mads Mikkelsen, but I I agree with a comment that I saw on Twitter that this is a Big upgrade for the Fantastic Beasts movie and a big downgrade for Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> um, this is this is my Doctor Doom. I've been talking for years about how good Mads Mikkelsen would be in the Doctor Doom role. Um, and while this doesn't stop him from being able to play that role, especially now that the MCU is uh, bringing in the Fantastic Four, um, it's it's unfortunate that he has to be caught up in this franchise, which unfortunately has really missed the bar for a lot of people. Um, but in more interesting news, I think potentially at least, uh, Warner Brothers is doing something quote-unquote unprecedented. Uh, Walter Hamada, who's kind of running the show over there when it comes to their film division, uh, has in more than one interview basically stated that uh, the multiverse is coming to the film side of the DC universe. Um, they're talking about different spinoffs. They're talking about how stuff with Wonder Woman is taking place on Earth 1, while Robert Pattinson's Batman is taking place on Earth 2. Different continuities, different timelines. Um, they're also talking about HBO spinoffs. You know, HBO Max spinoffs, we already have one coming for sure, which is the uh, Matt Reeves Batman Gotham or the GCP spinoff and then I believe there's supposed to be an Amazon spinoff for Wonder Woman as well who knows but um cool I guess um it's gonna be interesting to see how they uh really how they end up I guess executing this um we know that the multiverse is a thing both in Marvel and DC uh they already you know, announce that really with Crisis on Infinite Earths showing the scene between Grant Gustin and Ezra Miller. So I don't know. Um, but they did make a big announcement that there would be two different uh, Batman franchises because one character who really hasn't gotten enough exposure from DC Comics is Batman. 
Um, basically, there are going to be two separate Batman franchises going on at the same time, both Robert Pattinson's as well as another. And over the past weekend, rumor has it that it will not be Ben Affleck's DCEU Batman, but in fact, Michael Keaton will be the main Batman going forward. Now, I'm assuming this is going to be, co- be coming out of the Flashpoint film where both Batman are slated to appear. Um, and I just, I, fine, I guess. Uh, Walter Hamada was like, you know, we believe that our audience is smart enough to be able to understand this. And I'm like, sure, man. Like, <laughs> if that's, if that's what you believe, man, you stick with it. You sure do. Uh, but it's, it's whatever at this point, I'm just, I'm hopeful that they're going to finally, hopefully start to get their stuff together. Um, Michael Keaton, I'm always down to see he has had a banner year over the past or really a banner couple years with his films, uh, like Birdman, Spider-Man Homecoming, even smaller films like, uh, trial of the chicago seven which i really adored and i loved his involvement in um but apparently yeah those are going to be our two leading batman going forward now a lot of speculation has gone on because of keaton's age that this is going to be transitioning into a batman beyond uh franchise which i would be all for um if he is the bruce wayne going forward and we get you know that contrast because they need to make a contrast if they're going to have two batman franchises simultaneously going on they can have young batman doing his thing uh doing his detective work being more grounded and then have batman beyond as a separate franchise being more blade runner-esque with enhanced visuals futuristic technology i would be okay with that and in fact um a all the speculation has given me a really cool idea, so I might be attempting a pitch it uh, at some point during this this year, uh, which I know will make our, our good buddy Aaron Arancha very excited. Uh, we've been talking back and forth about a uh, uh, Batman Beyond pitch it for a while, so I've, I've cracked it. I've finally cracked it on what's going to happen with that. So um, I think this is exciting. It is also very dangerous. Because one thing that has allowed the MCU to be successful is that all of this stuff is interconnecting, uh, which does make it, I mean, a little difficult for new fans to kind of get into the franchise while being told, oh yeah, you've got like 20 other films you got to watch to make for this to make any sense. But I think that if, you know, we they already talked about this years ago when they were making the whole Worlds of DC initiative. Um, and it looks like they're fulfilling on that process, you know, years later, but we'll see, we'll see what happens, but that does it for film news. And we're going to finish things off in this new segment with comics news, lots of comics news. I'm going to get into the one piece of Marvel news before we get into this gigantic DC news. A lot happened in this past month and I'm really mad about it. Uh, So basically, the one piece of Marvel news is that apparently Spider-Man is getting a new suit. They unveiled it on Twitter, and it looks gross. Um, I, I am not a fan of this new design. I think it looks clunky. I think it looks awkward. Um, And I said it on Twitter, and I'm going to say it again here. I don't think that's Peter Parker. Uh, They have 
not said that this is Peter's new suit. There's been no shots of Peter wearing the suit with his mask off. All we've seen is a Spider-Man wearing this suit. So I am putting out the prediction that whoever's wearing this suit and whoever ends up taking the reins of or taking the mantle of Spider-Man, it's not going to be Peter Parker wearing this suit. And really, you know, a lot of people have been saying this and I agree with it. Uh, This just kind of feels like this is going to be a suit that is around for maybe a month or two and then is going to be discarded and used for video games (laughs) as an unlockable costume like Dusk or... um, or ricochet like these little like placeholder suits that don't get a whole lot of time but you know five ten years from now we'll be like oh yeah remember in this this and this issue where he wore this suit um it like i said it looks dumb i don't like the color scheme i think the lenses especially look really just bad but we'll see where this goes and that is gonna move us right on into DC. So um, there's a lot going on here. Uh, First off, kicking things off, I want to talk about DC Infinite Frontier. So Infinite Frontier is apparently going to be the big initiative going past Future State. Once Future State wraps up in, uh, in March... Or at the end of February, I know one issue, I think it's Superman vs. Imperius Lex, the final issue of that is going to be like in late March for some reason. Um, They are going to be moving into a new initiative called DC The Infinite Frontier. They put out a big, you know, title card showing a bunch of different characters. um, And essentially what I think this means is that they're going to be moving away from a single continuity and that a lot of the comics now are going to be moving into the multiverse or the omniverse whatever ends up happening post uh post death metal and future state which means that the characters in future state probably will not will be sticking around post future state Uh, at least some of them will and uh basically i'm reading off of An official blog post from the DC Comics website uh, announcing that uh, DC's Infinite Frontier number zero brings together the best creative talent in comics to introduce the next phase of the DC universe. There's going to be this big, like, 60, 65 page one shot that is going to kind of give you the primer you need to jump in to DC. to the infinite frontier apparently uh let's see here what this says da, 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 da. Um, it says as dark knight's death metal exposes our heroes to the multiverse's darkest threats and dc future state provides a glimpse into possible futures plural of the dc universe this blockbuster one shot propels our heroes into the current day in a f- world full of endless possibilities it looks like joshua F- williamson is going to be taking the lead here because he's the one given all of the uh, all of the interviews, and we have some teases as to both creative teams, and we'll get into more of that in a minute, as well as some of the plot points that are going to be going from here. So again, this is reading from this blog post. If you want to check it out, you can. If you want to check out the full post, you can read uh, you can read that on their website. But the excerpt here says, Featuring a dynamic primary cover by Dan Jerkins and Mikhail Janine and an equally breathtaking cardstock variant cover by John Timms, these stories will be delivered by some of the best talent in comics, including, but not limited to, Joshua Williamson, Scott Snyder, and James Tynan IV with John Timms. And I'm assuming that the one-shot is going to be featuring these teams separately. So first team, Williamson, Snyder, Tynan IV with John Timms. Second 
Second team, uh, Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez. Third team, Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad with Aletha Martinez. Fourth team, Jeff Johns and Todd Nock. Fifth team, Joshua Williamson and Alex Malev. Sixth team, uh, James Tyne in the fourth and George Jimenez. And seventh team, Philip Kennedy Johnson and Jamal Igley. Eagle? I'm sorry. Uh, moving on, Infinite Frontier number zero will also serve as the catalyst for new Can't Miss series and tour and story storylines storylines th- continuing through 2021 so these are the potential stories that we're going to be seeing throughout this year following infinite frontier so the first one an unthinkable unexpected attack by the joker makes him the target of a worldwide dragnet with ex-cop jim gordon in hot pursuit in the ongoing series the joker by james hein the fourth and guillaume march spinning uh, number two is spinning out of her breakout appearances and Future State Wonder Woman and Future State Superman Wonder Woman, a young Yara Floor begins the search for her destiny and connections to the Amazons. Number three, it's Orientation Day at Titan's Tower as Tim Sheridan and Rafa Sandoval introduce a new group of teen heroes, including the future Red X, remember, my money's on Clown Hunter, to the original new Teen Titans, setting the table for the duo's Teen Titans Academy series in March. Also, we have The Adventures of the Justice League Continue, beginning with Justice League number 59, now written by Brian Michael Bendis with David Marquez, with new JL members including Black Adam, Hippolyta, and Naomi. More on that in a second. Wonder Woman ventures into the God Sphere, creating an exciting new storyline by Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, and Travis Moore, continuing in March's Wonder Woman 770. And finally, award-winning writer Jeff Johns and Todd Nock tell an all-new Stargirl story. So that's kind of comprising what the big uh, one-shot is going to be. And then following uh, this Infinite Frontier primer, we've got a lot of announcements for post-Future State teams. Uh, I talked about it before in the podcast already because I couldn't wait. I was too excited to talk about it. Tom Taylor and Bruno Ronaldo are doing Nightwing. I am so freaking excited about this. And I'm even more excited than I was when they announced it. Um, stuff about how, and I didn't know this, Tom Taylor is an actual, has actual training in circus performance, um, how he believes that Nightwing can be an A-lister, how he is an A-lister, uh, teaming him up with Batgirl again, the two of them kind of rekindling their romance, or maybe not, who knows? I'm stoked. This is my most anticipated book of the year, and you can best believe I will be picking it up every single, uh, with every single issue. We also got some news on Superman Finally, we finally know what's going to be happening post-Bendis. And it's not the team that I thought it was going to be. Uh, So apparently uh, there is going to be a two-part Golden Age event across uh, an issue of Superman, an issue of Action Comics, uh, with writing duties being handled by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with Phil Hester uh, doing art on the Superman issue, and Eric Gapster, Gapster... I'm sorry, uh, doing the art on, uh, no, I'm sorry. So, uh, I'm, let me just read this. Uh, so essentially Philip Kennedy Johnson is going to be, uh, taking over Superman going forward post future state. He's not my first pick. You already know, know my, my first pick would have been, but I think it's interesting. He has an interesting perspective and I'm excited to see where he goes. Uh, I'm excited about the art personally, really looking forward to seeing what they do here. So basically 
Uh, his run is gonna is gonna kick off with Superman number twenty nine uh, as part one of the Golden Age in a two part story. Uh, artists Phil Hester and Eric Gap Stewart. I'm, I'm just gonna lean into it. Uh, that is going to basically see Jonathan Kent return from his time with the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, then he will be um, jumping into. Action Comics number 1029 to get the part two of that story and kick off his run. So basically, uh, following this on the Superman books going forward, uh, on the regular mainline Superman book, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson is going to be joined by Scott Godlewski on Superman. I I like Scott Godlewski's art. It's, it's definitely, in a, you know, not everyone is going to like what he has to offer when it comes to his art, but I've enjoyed what I've seen from him. And then on Action Comics, uh, I'm really excited about this. Uh, Daniel Sampier, or Sampere, I'm sorry. I really dig his art. I really like it. And I think him on Superman, or at least Action Comics, is a match made in heaven. And then he's going to be reuniting with artist uh, Mikhail Janine from their Superman Worlds of War story for apparently some gigantic uh, Superman event at some point this year. Uh, there's also going to be a backup uh, story in the Superman books with writer Sean Lewis and art by uh, Sammy Basri for Jimmy Olsen in Tales of Metropolis. So that's interesting. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot to be excited about when it comes to Superman. I'm just happy that we're past the Bendis era. I am excited to jump back in. I still wish that Jonathan Kent hadn't suffered through... Uh, Bendis not being interested at all in this character, but whatever. Uh, but following this, we also got a bunch of um, new creative team announcements. First off, Batman Superman is going to be helmed by Gene Loon Yang and Ivan Race. I am super freaking excited about this. You know how much I love uh, Gene Loon Yang as a, as a writer, and Ivan Race is a great artist. So I'm really excited to see this uh to see this come together one that i'm a little less excited about is justice league as you as we just talked about brian michael bendis will be taking over the title with art by david marquez i mean they've worked together before they work well i just i i'm over bendis at dc at this point um i just i'm i'm not gonna be reading it I'm excited for the people who are interested in this. Um, it looks interesting. The art by um, by Marquez that we've seen with, uh, as we talked about before, Hippolyta, Black Adam, and of course Naomi because she's a Bendis creation. Joining the team is interesting. We've also got uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary on the team for the first time in a while, which is great. But... I don't know. We'll we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, Wonder Woman, as you heard, uh, is going to be helmed now by Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad with Travis Moore on art. You know how much I love all of those creators, so I'm really excited for this. Uh, Teen Titans Academy is going to be spinning out of Future State with Tim Sheridan and Rafa Sandoval. New Green Lantern is going to pick up the... Uh, the baton from uh, Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp's Green Lantern uh, seasons one and two with a Green Lantern book that is, from what I can gather, mostly focused on Jon Stewart, which is fine. That's cool. Uh, Jon Stewart's a cool character. Um, I hope that more Green Lanterns show up, but we'll see. It's going to be written by Jeffrey Thorne with art by Tom Rainey. Detective Comics is going to be keeping the Dark Detective 
the Future State Dark Detective creative team with Mariko Tamaki writing Detective Comics, a mainline Detective Comics book. I love this. Uh, art by Dan Morrow, which I'm also excited about. This is a killer team, and I can't wait to pick this book up. And then finally, we're getting an anthology series for Superman called Superman Red and Blue to kind of counteract Batman Black and White. I love this. I'm always down for Superman stories, especially anthology stories. There's lots of creators uh, attached to this. So when that first issue comes out, I will be sure to cover it in the comics countdown. But honestly, there's a lot to be excited about for DC Comics in the coming year. And speaking of which, we're going to roll right on into the main event, the entree, if you will, of this week's episode, which is looking forward through the year on the things to be excited about with our Geeksplained forecast for 2021. There's a lot going on in 2021, and uh, basically I've got it categorized into four different sections, film, TV, games, and comics. Um, Essentially, this is kind of how this is going to work. I'm going to list off pretty much all of the stuff, uh, if not all of it, most of it, that I'm really excited about, and then I'll rank my top, let's say, top three For each one, this is going to be a long one. I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to be a long one. I'll do... uh, yeah. You know what? I'll do a top five. I'll do a top five because there's a lot going on. Uh, So let's kick things off with film because that is far and away the most we've got going on this year. Surprisingly, I know. We've got a lot happening. So these are the... Uh, films that we can expect dropping this year. Uh, We've got Ryan the Last Dragon, a film that I am really stoked for. Uh, We have The King's Man, a prequel to the Kingsman series. We have No Time to Die, possibly the final Daniel Craig James Bond film. Uh, We've got Mortal Kombat, which I'm stoked for. We haven't gotten a Mortal Kombat film in a while, and we haven't gotten a good one ever. So (laughs) I'm really, really, at least live action. Uh, I'm really excited to check this out. Uh, Black Widow. We're finally getting Black Widow. Uh, I don't know how it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be good. Uh, You can expect it to be a Marvel film, but I'm really looking forward to it still. So especially if this is going to be kind of seeding uh, Yelena Belova to be the Black Widow going forward. Um, The the young contingent of Disney Marvel is, is strong when it comes to the MCU for sure. Uh, We're also getting In the Heights. If you don't know what In the Heights is, In the Heights is a, uh, I was going to say prequel to Hamilton. It's not a prequel to Hamilton, but it was the first major major Broadway show that the creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda, really got. This was his big break. This was the show that really kind of put him on the map. And it's a show that I know is near and dear to many friends of mine who did or performed this show back in my hometown. So uh, shout out to all of them. 
Uh, this is a this is basically a film version. It's not going to be the same as the Hamilton film, which was a which was a stage recording or a recording of the actual stage play. This is a film adaptation of In the Heights, and I'm a sucker for musicals. You know I am, especially good ones. And In the Heights is a good musical, no two bones about it. And it's a great story about community and family and. It's it's something we need right now. So I'm really excited about that. I think that's going to be dropping on Disney Plus as well. I could be wrong, but I'm excited about that. Uh, we're also getting Venom 2 or Venom Let There Be Carnage, uh, which was, I believe, supposed to drop last year, but it is it has been pushed back. This is pitting Tom Hardy against uh, our boy Woody Harrelson. So <laughs> um, Venom versus Carnage is a tale as old as time. Um, it's, it's going to be something if it's going to be anywhere near as ridiculous as the first Venom movie, it will at least be an entertaining watch, if not an okay movie. Uh, we're also getting Top Gun Maverick. This is the long awaited sequel to the Top Gun film that was one of the films that put Tom Cruise on the map early in his career. I'm a sucker for Top Gun. I like Top Gun. I still, that's one of my favorite of the... I would say I would say it's probably top five Tom Cruise movies if you exclude the entire Mission Impossible franchise. Um, so I'm excited for this, and I know a lot of friends of mine are very excited about this too. So I'm looking forward to seeing exactly what they're going to do with this. We're also getting Shang-Chi this year. This is one of my most anticipated films. Shang-Chi, you've been kind of following me with uh, with my coverage of that, as well as just how excited I am for an Asian superhero film. I'm super stoked about this. And I think that this is going to be, this might be the sleeper hit when it comes to the MCU this year. I'm really excited about this. I uh, expect an episode full on about Shang-Chi a little bit closer to the, uh, to the premiere of the film because I really want to talk about this guy. I'm really excited about this. We also have The Suicide Squad. James Gunn's reboot slash sequel slash uh, whatever you want to call it. For the Suicide Squad franchise, bringing in actors like Idris Elba together with uh, our former Suicide Squaddies. Uh, that includes um, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, my boy Captain Boomerang. I'm I'm really excited about this. All the stuff that I've seen about it, we do know that Peacemaker's coming as well as a spinoff. So expect a lot of John Cena goodness. Um I'm excited about this. I know the announcement that all of HB or all of Warner Brothers films are going to be debuting on HBO Max in 2021 came as a big shock and a swerve for a lot of people, mostly the creators and the directors of these films. But I'm still really excited about this. This is one of my most anticipated comic book films in a very long time, I would say. Uh, we're also getting Candyman, a full-on reboot of the franchise helmed by Nita Costa with uh, our boy Yaya Abdul-Mateen starring in the film. It is being, I believe, executive produced by Jordan Peele. Um, I'm excited about this. I don't really do horror. I'm not a huge fan of horror, but I love the creatives and the people involved in putting this together. So I will be foregoing my 
my fears and prejudices towards the horror franchise and watching this film because uh, these are storytellers that deserve to be seen for sure. Uh, we're also getting Eternals, not the Eternals, not this Eternals, not that Eternals, not those Eternals, just Eternals. Ugh, I'm not excited about this. <laughs> Sorry. I know that they want this to be a big deal, but I just, I am not really into this. Um, the Eternals have never interested me. If if you would like me to do an episode on the Eternals, please let me know. Uh, whether it's through Twitter and Instagram or through email, let me know. I will try and put an episode out i try to do episodes on things that i'm really interested in but if there is enough demand for an eternals episode i will i will take it into consideration and possibly release that so uh let me know let me know uh, another big film that i'm really excited about though it's it's mission impossible 7 you know how much of a sucker for the mission impossible franchise i am especially knowing that our best girl Haley atwell is going to be you know essentially i think being the female lead for seven and eight so i'm really excited about this i love the mission possible franchise and i can't wait to see the next installment uh we've also got at some point this year matrix 4 for some reason i don't think that matrix 4 needs to be made i'm just gonna say that i'm just i i, I have no interest in seeing another matrix movie just because they they completed the story what, what more is there to be i don't know but if they find an interesting angle, I will I will look into it. I loved the original Matrix films, and Keanu Reeves is an absolute treasure, no matter how many bad games he's in. Uh, I'll I'll be checking this out if it, if for no other reason than the uh, than the curiosity factor. And then finally, we have uh, Spider Man Three. We don't know what it's called. I'm still banking on Hometown Hero. Fingers crossed. Uh, but we'll see. We know that. Um, there's the possibility of multiverse or Spider-Verse. Uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are potentially going to be returning. We know that Jamie Foxx is returning as Electro, though we don't know if it's his Electro or new Electro. Apparently also Alfred Molina might be appearing as Doc Ock again. I... I just wanted a Spider-Man film, guys. I don't know why that's so hard. Just a simple Spider-Man film with him facing off against Kraven. I don't know what... I don't know why this is so hard, but, um, but yeah, so those are the films that I'm really excited about. Uh, wait, is Fast and the Furious coming out as well? I don't know. If it is, I'm excited for that as well. Um, but from these, from these, if I had to make a top five right now, uh, this is going to be an unscripted part, an un, you know, note taken part where i'm gonna list these um i definitely i mean mission impossible 7 definitely there um shang chi for sure suicide squad ryan the last dragon and uh, da, 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 da. and then i would probably say looking at all of these i am gonna go with I'm going to go with something a little unconventional. I'm going to go with No Time to Die. So my top five in no particular order uh, is Ryan the Last Dragon, No Time, uh, double, James Bond, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, The Suicide Squad, and Mission Impossible 7. I think that's I think that's a pretty good spread. I like these films. Candyman's really high on there, so is In the Heights, but... These are the five films that I'm probably the most excited for. 
I'm not going to rank them. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to rank them. I'm just, okay. I'm going to rank them. So, um, I'd probably put no time to die in fifth place, uh, followed by, let's see, um, Ryan, the last dragon in fourth place, uh, suicide squad third, uh, mission impossible seven second. And then Shane, Chi is probably the most anticipated for this. Uh, which is interesting. I, I didn't think that that was going to be my choices for that. But yeah, I'm excited for all five of those movies. Those are going to be my top of the tops for this year. Moving on to TV shows. We've got some uh, some here to talk about. First off, Superman and Lois. I've talked about it before. I've talked about it earlier on this podcast. Um I'm really excited about Superman and Lois. It might be crap. It might be garbage. Who knows? But we're getting a Superman TV show. And you cannot expect me to not be excited about that. (laughs) Say what you will about the Arrowverse. Say what you will about where, you know, that multiverse or that universe is going. I'm really excited about Superman and Lois. It's going to be a different kind of Superman uh, show or different kind of Superman uh, property, you know, more or less hopefully in the same vein as the uh tomasi and gleason run from rebirth one of my favorite superman runs of all time um but i'm excited about this we also have wandavision which is kicking off in a couple weeks really excited about that you all know how much i love uh tom king's vision which may be coming up in a future episode you never know um but WandaVision's looking fantastic. Also, Black Lightning. We're getting the final season of Black Lightning. You know how much I love Black Lightning. It topped the top of our uh, CW Arrowverse power rankings of last year. We'll see where, you know, everything kind of shakes out at the end of, uh, for this year's power rankings. But that won't be until later this year. So, uh, but it's bittersweet. I don't think that Black Lightning should have been on the chopping block, but if the creators of the show are choosing to end the show because they're telling a complete story, I get it. That's fine. I will be bitter about it forever, but again, the strongest CW show that they have right now is Black Lightning, and I hope that the last season is able to, you know, not just match up to the quality of previous seasons but exceed it for its final outing we also have batwoman which is another cw show that has a lot of eyes on it right now because the new uh we have our new lead ryan wilder is going to be uh taking up the batwoman mantle from kate kane i'm interested all of the looks i've seen look really uh they they look like they have a different flavor, which I like. Uh, I talked about it before on the podcast. I wasn't super impressed by season one of Batwoman. I thought it started really strong and then just kind of petered out as the show went on. And I'm hoping that having a new lead will breathe some life into it. The suit looks badass. I'm really excited to see where they go with the story, especially now that we have Hush on the hunt in the supposed you know, face of Bruce Wayne. So this is going to be an interesting season. I'll keep an eye out for it for sure we've also got falcon and the winter soldier you know how much i love falcon and the winter soldier um how much i've been waiting for it It was supposed to come out on my birthday you you horrible people you horrible coronavirus but i'm really excited about this especially because it's going to be debuting in march alongside the 80th anniversary of captain america expect a lot of captain america stuff this year i'm just gonna say it 
Captain America is going to be getting a lot of love this year from me. So just be aware of that when you are (laughs) subscribing or staying subscribed to the podcast. Please, please subscribe to the podcast. Please stay subscribed to the podcast. I love all of you subscribers. Really helps me out. Really helps out the podcast. Um, But there's going to be a lot of Captain America love and a lot of Captain America content this year because it's a big year for Captain America. And one of the biggest contributions is going to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I cannot wait to watch this. Uh, We've also got probably the most recent announced of them all, uh, The Book of Boba Fett, which is going to be the Mandalorian spinoff starring uh, Tamara Morrison in the title role. I'm really hoping that we get that 1313 vibes that we missed out on when they canceled that game and we really get to see Boba Fett kind of ruling the underworld and really getting into, you know, that kind of mafia-style storytelling. I think that's something that we haven't gotten really in Star Wars, and I would love to see them tackle that genre. You know, the crime genre would be really interesting. And especially if it's being helmed by the same team doing The Mandalorian, I have total and complete faith in them. Uh, This year, at some point, is supposed to be Hawkeye as well, which is one of my most anticipated. I'm really freaking excited about that. You know how much I love Fractions Hawkeye. You know how excited I am for... Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. It is going to be a great time, and I cannot wait to watch this show. We have no release date, but um, I'm really excited about it all the same. We're also getting season two of The Witcher at some point this year. Henry Cavill has been hard at work. You know, he's got abs on his armor and everything. So I'm excited. We're going to see what exactly happens with The Witcher. And speaking of fantasy anti-heroes, we have Loki at some point coming this year as well. I like Loki. I like Tom Hiddleston. I like the first look we got at the show, um, specifically the scene where they completely uh, gave homage to the Vote Loki book. I'm very interested in that. It's not, it's probably not in my most anticipated when I get to ranking them, but I'm interested. I'm interested to see what they do because Loki's story completed. His story was over. But we'll see exactly what they decide to do with this, how they close the loop, or continue him on for future stories. And then we also, for all of my anime fans, uh, we've got the next season of My Hero Academia, which I'm really excited about. I have finally caught up on the most recent season, and I cannot wait to watch this next season. Apparently there's some big stuff happening. I don't read the manga, so I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, apparently some big stuff's ahead, so I'm looking forward to that. And then finally, also also in Star Wars, The Bad Batch, the animated series focused on the group of defective clone troopers from this uh, final season of the Clone Wars. Apparently, it's supposed to be just after Order 66 and them dealing with all the ramifications of that. So it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. So that wraps up TV shows. Let's see. Uh, for my top five, definitely Superman and Lois, definitely Black Lightning, Back in the Winter Soldier. So that's three right off the bat. Um, Hawkeye. Got to put on Hawkeye. And then, man, it's either Witcher or WandaVision. Um, I am going to go with... It's the comic book bias in me. I'm going to go with WandaVision. So Superman and Lois, WandaVision, Black Lightning, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Hawkeye. So if I... Ha- oh, ranking them on this one's going to be really hard. Um... I think just because I know it's going to be the last season at five, I'll put Black Lightning. 
Um, at four, I'll put Hawkeye just because we don't know enough about it yet. We know it's going to be fun, hopefully. We know the cast is great, but we haven't seen any trailers or anything for it. So Black Lightning at five, Hawkeye at four. Uh, you know what? Actually, I'm going to switch that. Hawkeye at five, Black Lightning at four. Then we're going to do uh, WandaVision at three. And then... Huh. I'm going to do Superman Lois at 2 and Falcon and Winter Soldier at 1. I think that makes sense for me. So number 5, Hawkeye. Number 4, Black Lightning. Number 3, WandaVision. Number 2, Superman and Lois. And number 1, Falcon and the Winter Soldier for TV shows of 2021 that I am looking forward to. Uh, jumping into video games in our third section here. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So all I have to do is eliminate 2. That's going to make it a whole lot harder. Um, so the games that I'm the most excited for this year uh, include Gotham Knights. You know how much I loved the look that we got at Gotham Knights when it came to gameplay, what the game's going to be about. Um, I'm really freaking interested. Uh, the social team as well. The uh, social team on Twitter has been on fire as of late releasing concept art gameplay you know gifs and clips i'm really excited for this game i still don't know when it's coming out but it's supposed to be sometime this year and i cannot wait to get this game in my hands it is going to be a lot of fun and my good brother andrew you and i have a have a date with nightwing and red hood playing through the two-player co-op on this game this year so if you are listening to this you and I are going to have a good time with this. I'm really excited. Uh, we're also getting Mass Effect, the Legendary Edition, which is going to be the full remaster of the Mass Effect trilogy. Really excited about this. I hope they tweak the first game because it needs it if they want us to have fun with it. But we'll see. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with it. But speaking of uh, remasters and remakes, we're also getting the Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time remake, which I am excited for. But at the same time, the graphics, at least from the trailer that we saw, look like ass. Um, I'm sorry. They look like Xbox 360 graphics. I really was expecting better, um, but again, that was just kind of the first trailer that we saw of it. It's supposed to be coming out sometime this month, I think, so hopefully it looks a little better on actual release. Uh, we also have Resident Evil 8 Village, which I know a lot of people are excited for if you're a fan of the Resident Evil uh, games, especially if, you're, if you enjoyed the most recent one, Resident Evil 7. Apparently, this is going to be continuing that story thread with the same main character. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm not a huge, like I said, I've talked about it before, I'm not a huge horror guy. But I am fascinated by the Resident Evil franchise. And I will be at least checking this out uh, through friends playing it. So I'm very interested. Uh, we also have The Return of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. One of my favorite films, one of my favorite comics, one of my favorite video game adaptations. Uh, this year, we're going to be seeing Scott Pilgrim, the complete edition, which will be bringing that arcade beat-em-up to consoles for... Uh, you know, as a standalone product for the very first time. So I'm really excited about that. All the DLC, I didn't know there was DLC, but apparently there is a bunch of DLC and it's going to be included on this as well. So looking forward to that. Uh, but the big two that are kind of hanging in the air without much known about either of them is Overwatch 2, which is... a. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to release this year. We don't know. It was supposed to, you know, everything that was shown from it 
kind of hinted that it was going to be released last year, but I assume it's going to be this year. They haven't said so, but I hope. Uh, and then God of War Ragnarok, the sequel to God of War uh, by Corey Barlog and the whole team at Santa Monica Studios. This is probably the most anticipated game of the year. Uh, and I, I'm right up there. So, um, it is, I loved, I love and adore that God of War game. So I am very, very excited about this. So if I had to strike two off of this list, I am going to go with, let's see here. Um, probably honestly, and I hate to put this, but, uh, Overwatch 2, and the Prince of Persia remake. Those two are the ones I'm least excited about, which leaves us with the final five. I'm going to rank them at number five. Uh, Resident Evil Village will be my number five. Again, I'm not a horror guy, but I'm very interested. Uh, number four, Scott Pilgrim, The Complete Edition. Love that game. It is a fun arcade style. You get three friends. You have a fun time. It's going to be It's going to be good. I'm excited for this. Uh, at number three, let's see. Or yeah, at number three, I'm going to say the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, just because I'm worried about Mass Effect 1. Remastering, it's great. Giving it a new graphics, bringing it up is going to be fantastic. But if they don't do something to make that game a little bit more fun, a little bit closer to the second game, which I don't know. Again, I'm not a game developer. I don't know how that works. Um, I don't know if that would constitute an entire remake of the game, but... I really, you know, as a player and as a longtime fan of that franchise, I need incentive to play that game again. <laughs> but we'll see. I'm excited about it. Um, at number two is probably Gotham Knights because I am so excited about the premise of that, the customization, uh, having that open world, tackling missions, both solo and co-op. Really looking forward to that. And then finally, God of War Ragnarok. You knew it was going to be here. God of War Ragnarok is my number one most anticipated game of the year. It is going to be incredible, especially on the PS5. I cannot wait to play this game. Uh, so that brings us finally to comics. Now, comics, I pretty much covered, for the most part, the kind of big news when it comes to what we can expect for comics in the uh, in the year of our Lord 2021. But uh, So these are the comics that I'm interested in probably the most. So first off, Nightwing. You know, I already talked about it. I'm not going to spend more time on it. Uh, Future State, which kicks off this week. Uh, later on in this episode, I'm going to be covering all of the Future State comics that are coming out this week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Teen Titans Academy, I'm really excited about as well. I love the idea of Red X. I love the idea of we're going to see Red X get formed here. Bow for Red X. He's, he's, we got him. I know it. I know it. I know it in my heart. Uh, we're also getting a book called Nonstop Spidey. This is, from what I can tell, supposed to be kind of in the vein of Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, but it brings our boy Chris Bacalo back to Spidey. I love Bacalo's art in whatever he does, but he has such a unique take on Spider-Man that I'm really excited to see him return to the character. Really looking forward to this. Uh, we also have the Star Wars High Republic comics that are coming out. The big High Republic push that is happening this year is going to be insane if you're a Star Wars fan, so get ready for that. Those comics are supposed to be very highly anticipated, so I'm looking forward to it. We've also got Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, which I'm looking forward to. That should be really cool. Uh, Milestone is coming back this year. Really 
interested to see what they do with that property, with that franchise. Uh, you have to assume it's going to be part of the Infinite Frontier, which, speaking of which, is the final one that I'm interested in. Uh, the Infinite Frontier, whether it's the one-shot or kind of the initiative, I'm going to put it as the one-shot for this specific list. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with these... Um, with these characters and with this new initiative, with these timelines, with these multiverse, multiversal worlds, if there's going to be any crossover, we'll just have to see. So out of these, I've got four, eight. So I've got nine books here. So I got to rank my top five on here. Oh, wait, no, I miscounted that. So it's four. So it's eight. Okay. So it's eight. So I got to eliminate three here. Um, so at number five, I'm going to say, da, 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 da. I'm going to say Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, at number five. At number four, let's see. At number four, I'm very interested to see what they do with Infinite Frontier. So that's my number four. Number three. At number three, I'm going to I'm actually, I'm going to say Star Wars High Republic. I'm interested to see what they do with this. I am very curious about the high republic time like what that era is like so i'm interested to see what that looks like uh, number two i'm going to put future state that's a big event that's going to kind of kick off everything that's going to happen this year and you knew it was going to be this way at number one i've got nightwing so that is my ranking for the comics of this year overall Overall, this year is promising to be very, very big. A lot of exciting stuff. Uh, 2020 was a big year for all of, I think, the wrong reasons, um, including a lot of stuff that I think could have been handled better. And hopefully, with all of the really exciting stuff that's coming our way in 2021, this year is going to be one of the best in recent memory when it comes to all of geek culture. <laughs> It is now time for the return of the Wild Card Weekly Review, where every week I review something, and it's wild! Uh, <laughs> before we dive into the uh, the next installment of our weekly review, we've got two weeks of Wild Card Weekly Review, so I think you probably know what's going to be our next weekly review segment, but I'll talk about that at the end of this segment. But for this week... We are reviewing the New Year's special for Doctor Who. Uh, I was really excited to watch this, not just because the Daleks were coming back. I like that they've been kind of confining uh, Whitaker's Doctor versus the Daleks to these specials because it makes them feel a little bit more special. Uh, there was a point across, you know, a lot of the uh, modern Doctor's tenures that the the Daleks kind of don't feel as special as they should or as they used to. So I'm hopeful that we can get back to them being terrifying. And I think this episode really accomplished that. I was also really excited because Captain Jack Harkness was returning. John Barrowman returning to the role after being away for years at this point. I always love seeing Captain Jack. He is a highlight in any episode that he features in. And I was really excited to see him. But... 
overall, this episode was great. I really, really dug it. Uh, this was also notable for being the last ride for Ryan and Graham. Uh, the actors for this, Tozen Cole and Bradley Walsh, respectively, uh, left the show, or I guess are leaving the show following this special and will not be continuing on into possibly Jodie Whittaker's final season. Uh, but Yaz is sticking around, so I'm really excited about that. Yaz, I, I, we're, we're going to talk about Yaz, but but the big... You know, the big thing for me was uh, Captain Jack. Captain Jack Harkness brings such a fun a fun energy that I think the other characters don't... Not that they, you know, not that they detract from, but that they don't have, you know, they don't have the background. They're all very grounded. They're all humans, you know, living in modern times. So they don't have kind of the worldview or the experience of a Captain Jack Harkness. So I really dug seeing him again. I loved having him, you know, riffing off all of the different companions. I loved him riffing off the doctor. There's a moment where she's like, you know, have you had work done? And he's like, you're one to talk. So it was really fun having him break her out of the prison made no sense, but in kind of a fun, wacky way. So I really dug that. Uh, speaking of which, the episode kind of kicks off, the special kicks off with the doctor being imprisoned, and apparently she was in prison for like 20 years, or at least, you know, at least 19, because Jack says he was, you know, working his way through the prison for 19 years to get to her. So um, during this, there was some fun monster cameos from like the uh, the Silence, Weeping Angels, even the Pating or whatever. Uh, it was fun seeing them again. I, I enjoyed seeing them for sure. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the TARDIS team, the fam, uh, were stuck, you know, without the Doctor for, I guess, 10 months. You know, it makes sense, time progression from uh, the conclusion of last series to this, uh, to this special was right around 10 months. So it makes sense. But I really dug the... The way that each of them handled it, uh, with Yaz getting a little bit obsessed. You know, this is the most interesting thing that's happened in her life. And so she was like obsessed with that, uh, that other TARDIS and trying to make it work and trying to, um, figure out where the doctor had gone. Uh, Ryan was really getting to enjoy being normal again and really getting to hang out with his friends and learn, you know, how to be just a regular dude. And Graham, you know, also felt that way, but had that itch for adventure. And so he was constantly trying to, you know, get Ryan excited about stuff. And I liked it. I like how all these characters developed. I wish they had gotten more time both in last season and in this special to really show off that development. Um, but the big story of this was the Dalek security drones, which uh, made this episode almost too relevant. Uh, they had essentially this like super shady prime minister candidate trying to get added security for, you know, these restless times. And I mean, it was, it was, you know, everything was filmed and made this past year. So that has to be taken into account. But they find these scraps of the Dalek that was destroyed in last year's New Year Year's special. And they uh, abduct it and they use, you know, they're able to reverse engineer the armor to make these security drones. And then the scientist, whose name I can't remember, uh, found organic bits from the Dalek and used it to clone a new Dalek, a new little spindly Dalek organism, which then hacked into the 
uh, mainframe of the business and set up a cloning farm. It was, um, it was out there, but in, you know, it was right up the alley of a normal Doctor Who, you know, suspension of disbelief. But the thing that really turned me off of this was, of course, as soon as we saw oh, their shady business dealings, of course, this asshole shows up. Jack Robertson, I hate this character. I'm sorry. I do not like this character. I don't think he's entertaining. I don't like him as a character. I'm sure the actor is lovely. I'm sure he's a great person. But they are trying to get him to be bargain bin Alec Baldwin. And it just, it does nothing for me. And the fact that he never has a comeuppance of any kind doesn't do anything for me. What did do something for me, though, were the uh, nightmares that I am going to have for a little while about the Dalek facehuggers. These things were terrifying, and they were very, very well executed, uh, being these, you know, like, slimy little squid spider things that would latch onto your face and try and uh, take possession of your body. It was terrifying, and you know my thing with facehuggers and spiders, and I did not like it, but it provided a lot of great uh, tension, so I appreciated them. Uh, we also got to see not just that, but once, you know, the plan got enacted and you found out that the drones were, you know, left empty so that the, I don't remember how or why, all of the clone Daleks could be transported into them. They were laying waste to London and uh, basically they, you know, the doctor had to throw a Hail Mary and call in the actual Daleks. And we got some fun Dalek on Dalek, you know, battles, which I enjoy, um, Nicholas Briggs. Nicholas Briggs, who does the voice of the Daleks, has done them for decades, I think, at this point, is an is an actual treasure. He is a legitimate legend, and the way that he was able to, um, and I'm sure there was some processing and producing of it as well, but the way that he was able to uh, pretty clearly make distinctions between the real Daleks and the modified Daleks was really cool. And as a voice actor, I, I just... You gotta respect it. You have to respect it. I really, really dug that. Um, again, I, I just, I wish that we didn't have to deal with friggin' Jack Robbins Robertson for this. I don't, I don't like him. I'm sure he's gonna pop up in this upcoming season as well, and I hope that in this third round he finally gets some kind of comeuppance or finally gets some kind of like. I just want someone to kick him. I want someone to beat him up, physically hurt him. And then him to get arrested and put away. That's what I want. That's all I want. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But the big takeaway for this, the big, I would say, notable thing coming out of this is the new dynamic that would be coming out of the TARDIS following the events of this episode. Uh, Graham and Ryan leave. Ryan, you know, wants to live a normal life. And Graham, you know, for a split second, for a split second, I thought for sure, I was like, well... Graham didn't say he wants to leave. And, you know, Ryan is just like, you go on ahead. I know you want the adventures. And Graham, in a really touching moment that kind of brought their whole relationship full circle, was like, yeah, I could go on all these adventures, but I'd miss out on you. And I don't want to miss out on you. And that really touched me. I really dug that. And so they get to kind of walk off into the sunset or at least ride a bike into the sunset. But I... I wish that they had gotten more time in this special to really dig into 
them, you know, choosing to leave, their doubts about it. They started sowing the seeds last season, and to his credit, Tozen Cole got a great scene with Jodie Whittaker in this special, where he kind of, like, had a, a big one-on-one -on -one conversation with her that I really liked. But I wish that we had gotten more time with them to develop them more. Um, or at least develop Ryan more. Because Graham, I thought... Graham could have been the one and only companion for the last two seasons, and I wouldn't have complained about it whatsoever. So Graham is probably more of a loss than Ryan is, but I loved the ending for this, for them, for their characters. Um, the Doctor gives each of them presents, which end up being psychic paper. Uh, then the next time, the final time we see them, they're back on the hill where we, you know, have seen them before. Uh, Graham is trying to help Ryan ride a bike. They're trying to get back to normal. And then they start to talk. And Graham's like, well, you know, we heard some, you know, there have been reports of some weird stuff going on. And Ryan's like, yeah, I was looking into reports of some other stuff happening over here. And then they kind of give each other this look. And you just know it. They're, the only thing that I can really um, equate it to is at the end of Gravity Falls where um, we're standing forward are, you know, have repaired their situation and they're now going to go around the world, you know, looking into mysteries and solving mysteries and looking into the supernatural and the extraterrestrial. I loved that ending for them. And they give this similar ending to Graham and Ryan. And I loved it. I loved getting to see them kind of, again, right off into the sunset together. It was fantastic. It was a amazing goodbye for them which leaves us you know as i thought at the end of this you know at the end of the special for the first time having two females as the sole you know as the sole tardis team we had never had that before in the history of doctor who and i was really excited because i think yas is the one who needs the most development um i liked her obsession with you know this being the most exciting thing that ever happened to her, it gives me very much uh, Rose and Donna Noble vibes, which I really enjoy, and I hope that we get to develop her more. But then, at the end of the uh, at the end of the special, they did a little teaser to show that it's not going to be just the two of them. They are bringing in uh, British comedian John Bishop as a companion named Dan. I don't know who Don who John Bishop is. Apparently, they are going for another uh, Bradley Walsh type where they're going to have kind of an older male character. I hope it's good. I don't, I'm like I said, I'm not familiar with him. I'm not familiar with his work, but uh, they have to have cast him for a reason. So it looks like he and Yaz are going to be the companions going into the next, uh, going into the next season. And honestly, you know, I'm hopeful. This could end up being, you know, Jack and Rose for, what Jack and Rose was for nine for 13. Um, I hope so. I really truly hope so because I want this to be the best season for Jodie Whittaker. I really do. Um, and I hope that they are given the time and the opportunity to give a fantastic story. Um, I, along with a lot of people were really kind of put off by the whole timeless child reveal. And hopefully they find a way to, if not completely, you know, counteract it or write it out to work with it and make it a little bit more palatable. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens if this is, you know, if this does end up being the last ride for Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. Um, 
I think that this has the potential to be a great send-off, but time will tell. So uh, that is going to do it for this week's Wildcard Weekly Review. And as a big announcement here, which is probably not surprising at all, our next focus on the Weekly Review will be... WandaVision. We're going to be diving into WandaVision two weeks from now as of this recording. So next week we're going to be doing another Wildcard Weekly Review, which I will not reveal because what's the fun in that? But WandaVision will be taking over the Weekly Review uh, starting on the let me pull up the calendar here starting on the January 20th episode and for the next, you know, I guess nine weeks following that. So I'm really excited so tune in for that. But for now, we're going to roll right on into a giant-sized comics countdown. Ooh, welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comiXology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we've got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explain Pick of the Week of last week. And honestly, um, I was kind of surprised that this ended up being the pick but it was X-Men number 16, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Phil Noto. I have no idea what's going on, and I'm really freaking excited about it. Um, I'm still waiting to catch up on uh, Ten of Swords when the trade comes out. Uh, I've got it all pre-ordered on Comixology, so I can't wait to see what the hell happened. But the end of the issue really got me excited. Um I can't wait to see what happens. If you haven't read it, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but definitely go pick this up. If you're a fan of X-Men and you are not following the mainline X-Men book, do yourself a favor. Go and pick this issue up because it is not just a good um, epilogue to the events of Ten of Swords that happened, and I don't know what happened, um, but it is an amazing prelude to what could be one of the most dynamic X-Men teams uh in a very long time so i'm really excited about that but that's last week's book let's talk about this week's books this week we have not one not two not three but ten books for you to check out uh future states kicking off this week so We've got all the Future State books that I am very interested in. Can't wait to talk about them, but we're going to kick things off on the Marvel side with Iron Man number five. This is written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Kafu. Uh, this is continuing the Iron Man and um, Hellcat versus Korvac story that's been going on. I've been enjoying it. I love this new approach to the Iron Man character, uh, going through his kind of midlife crisis deal, and I like Korvac as a villain. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Bravest of the Argives. The first act of the books of Korvac reaches its stunning conclusion. It's put-up-or-shut-up time with Korvac as the android mastermind begins the next phase of his ascent towards absolute power, and Iron Man begrudgingly decides to finally ask for help. But from who? As he takes charge of new allies and tries to use Hellcat's weakened state to his advantage, Tony Stark might instead risk everyone's life, including his own, especially when he confronts Korvac himself one-on-one. -on -one. 
so yeah that's exciting um we're just gonna have to see what happens uh next up we have dark knight's death metal number seven uh written by scott snyder with art by greg capullo um this is it this is the finale of dark knight's death metal it's finally over it's done um yeah there's nothing else to say. Uh, this is going to be bridging us into Future State and beyond, while also setting things up for Infinite Frontier following that. So uh, the cover looks cool. I really dig it. Basically, uh, Death Metal Wonder Woman staring, you know, and basically face to face with her 1940s counterpart. I'm looking forward to this. Let's go ahead and just dive into the synopsis here. An Anti-Crisis, Part 7, A Slap in the Face. The song remains anything but the same as the house lights start to come up on DC's biggest, baddest battle for control of the multiverse. The Darkest Knight is on the verge of ending his concert once and for all, but Wonder Woman has more than just a greatest hit planned. The Amazonian warrior stands ready to shred the Darkest Knight solo. This extra-sized finale issue includes not one, but two mind-blowing epilogues that lead directly into the next phase of the DC Universe, and no fan will want to miss that. So this is kind of a two-part for me um, that's supposed to really lead into Future State. Uh, I'm excited. I'm ready for Dark Knight Seth Metal to be over. Um, but I am just as excited about the next book here, which is Generations Shattered Number 1. This is... Written by Robert Venditti, uh, Andy Schmidt, and Dan Jurgens, with art by Eau Claire Albert, Paul Pelletier, Danny Mickey, Bernard Chang, Yannick Paquette, Matt Ryan, Aaron Lepresti, Scott Hanna, Klaus Jansen, John Romita Jr., uh, Fernando Pazarin, Emanuela Lupicino, Wade Von Graw Badger, Sandra Ho- a lot. There's a lot of names attached to this. So um, I'm excited for this. Let's go ahead and just dive into the synopsis here a threat of cosmic proportion to dc's newest and oldest universe compels one of the most unusual groups of heroes ever assembled to take on the most mysterious foe they have ever encountered what started in detective comics 1027 explodes out of dark knight's death metal to tell the story of the generation spanning history of the dc universe Join the original Batman, Kamandi, Starfire, Sinestro, Booster Gold, Dr. Light, Steel, and Sinestro in their quest to save the universe before time runs out. So, I would say, if you're looking for any kind of reading order for this week, definitely read Dark Knight's Death Metal number 7 first, then Generations Shattered, and then you can jump into Future State. Um, This looks fun. Uh, this is Green Lantern Sinestro. This is different eras of characters, which I'm always down for. Um, I also, on the cover, it shows, like, I want it. I don't want to say it's Superboy Prime, but it's probably, like, Legion of Superheroes era Superboy. But it looks interesting, so I'll be definitely picking this up. Next up, we have our first Future State title. It's going to bring us right into Future State with Future State, Superman of Metropolis number one. Written by Sean Lewis and Brandon Easton, with art by Cully Hamner, Valentin Delandro, and John Timms. Uh, this is going to be the Jonathan Kent Superman book. So uh, let's just go ahead and dive into it and see what happens. 
Superman of Metropolis Part 1 slash The Guardian Part 1 slash Mr. Miracle Part 1. Before leaving for parts unknown, Clark Kent entrusted Earth's safety to his son. Now, Jonathan Kent is Superman. Top priority for this new Superman? To protect Metropolis. When a new version of Brainiac attacks, John takes drastic measures, which result in the bottle city of Metropolis. But watch out, John, because Supergirl is on her way, and she is not happy with your decision. Meanwhile, in the new Bottle City, a new hero has risen. Jake Jordan, the former Manhattan Guardian, came to the city of tomorrow to start over. But he's not the only one who wants a new beginning. An anarchist calling herself Honest Mary sees this time of trouble as an opportunity for rebirth, and she'll tear down the entire city to prove her point. Does Jake have what it takes to save his new home from disasters both inside and outside of the bottle? Superman's former pal Jimmy Olsen is going to make sure he does. Finally, the current Mr. Miracle, Shiloh Norman, is also in the bottle, and he's looking for a way out. He'd better be careful, though, or he may end up someplace unexpected. It's a story that continues in Superman Worlds of War number one. So yeah, a lot of balls or a lot of bottles spinning here. I'm interested. I'm interested in seeing what happens. Um, this is going to be a big month for DC, and they're kicking things off strong. Uh, also, in the Future State slate, I ah, see what I did there, was uh, Future State The Flash number one. I'm worried about this book. Uh, it's written by Brandon Vietti with art by Dale Eaglesham. I enjoy both those creators, but I'm really nervous about this story. Let's go ahead and just dive into the synopsis here. Death Race, part one. With no powers, no backup, and no other choices, Barry Allen and the other former Flashes face the deadliest threat they've ever encountered, Wally West. Possessed by an evil force trapped for thousands of years inside the Speed Force, Barry turns to his greatest foe's weapons to save the young man he loves like a son. In the end, how much will Barry sacrifice to save the former Kid Flash? Ah, got it. Um, I'm worried about this, because the last couple of years have not been kind to Wally West. And it felt like, with both the end of Williamson's Flash run and speed metal that we were on an upward trajectory with wally west and this just kind of feels like we're going back to the well which sucks because i like wally west i want him to do well um but i will hold my reservations until i read the book we'll just have to see what happens next up we have strange adventures number eight this is written by tom king with art by doc shaner as well as mitch jared's um we're going to see. We're going to see what happens in this in this issue. I've been loving this book so far. Um, it was very difficult for me to leave it off of the uh, best comics but of uh, last year, but I've been really enjoying it, and I cannot wait to see where this goes. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Chapter 8. The battle against the Picts continues. The Justice League, including Green Lantern, Doctor Fate, Batman, The Flash, Superman, and Wonder Woman, has scattered across the Earth, pushing back the Marauders wherever they appear. Even Mr. Terrific takes a break from investigating Adam Strange's alleged war crimes to land a punch or two in their stupid alien faces. But Adam Strange has made his decision to save Ran at any price, even if that price is the Earth itself. 
So yeah, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> it is going to be really interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this. Um, this whole book has been twists and turns, and I am excited to see what new twists they bring into this issue. Next up, we have Firepower number 7, written by Robert Kirkman with art by Chris Somney. This is the start of a new story arc for Firepower. I'm really excited about this. I hope you've caught up with Firepower so far because it's been fantastic, and I can't wait to pick this new book up. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. New story arc. The Dragon's Claw has struck. Damage has been dealt. Owen and his family are reeling from the loss, and more danger lurks on the horizon. So, the last issue, like, left off with a fantastic cliffhanger, and I cannot wait to see how they build on top of that. So, really enjoy Firepower. You need to be reading this book. Next up, the final bit of Marvel books for the week, we have Thor number 11. This is written by Donnie Cates with art by Nick Klein. Uh, this is continuing on the Prey storyline. I've been really enjoying this. I love this whole thing. And I'm excited to read part three of Prey. Let's go ahead and just dive into the synopsis here. Prey, part three. It's a sunny day in hell. But the God of Thunder is about to bring down a bloody rain. Trapped in a suburban horror show, Thor faces down an old foe. But something far worse than the Midgard Serpent is sinking its fangs into Thor's world. For Donald Blake now roams the Ten Realms with naught but death on the brain. So yeah really really digging this. I love this story. Like I said in uh, last week's episode, Thor really surprised me. The Donny Cates Thor run has been fantastic so far, and I am chomping at the bit to see what they do next with this character, especially with this new version of Donald Blake. Uh, which brings us to, I think, my joint big books of the week. The books I think you should absolutely be picking up, especially if you're a fan of Future State. Starting things off, Future State Wonder Woman number one. This is written and illustrated by Joelle Jones, uh, introducing us to Yara Floor. This is uh, this is a tentpole book. This is going to be a big, big part of not just Future State, but DC Comics going forward. You do not want to miss this book. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Deep in the heart of the Amazon rainforest lies a hero of mythic legend, Wonder Woman. But in the absence of Diana, Yara Floor has risen out of obscurity to protect man's world from the magic that lies within it. Along with her trusty steed, she journeys to the underworld to rescue one of her Themyscirin sisters from the grasp of Hades. Will she unleash the wrath of this god in the process? You don't want to miss this first appearance of a character who will change the history of Wonder Woman forever. So that's a lot. Uh, first off, a trusty steed. That's exciting. And then having her go into the underworld. Um, I'm really excited for this. This is one of my most anticipated future state books that is going to be coming out of this whole thing. And I cannot wait to pick this up. So that brings us to our second, our co our joint uh, big book of the week, which is, of course, Future State, The Next Batman. This is written by John Ridley and Paul Jenkins with art by Nick Darrington, Lara Braga, and Brandon Thomas. Um, this is a big one. 
I'm sorry, uh, art as well by Jackson Herbert and Sumit Kumar as well. This is the big book. This is the big future state book that everyone is going to be hunting for. Everyone is going to be looking for to really judge on how future state is going to do. This is going to be the tentpole. So all eyes are on this book, and I don't think these creators would have it any other way. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Next Batman, Pod 1, slash Outsiders, Pod 1, slash Arkham Knights, Pod 1. Gotham City has always been dangerous, but now, it's downright deadly. Following the tragedy of A-Day, the mayor allowed the private law enforcement group known as the Magistrate to take over policing so-called mask crime, and that has given rise to a new dark night. What is this mysterious crime fighter's connection to former Batman weaponeer Lucius Fox? The fight for justice has never been this dangerous. Then, in a new tale of the Outsiders, everything in Gotham City may be under the thumb of the Magistrate, but even members of that totalitarian force know that the outskirts of town are protected by the Sword of Katana. And finally, ride with the Arkham Knights on their quest for freedom. Arkham Asylum has been decommissioned, and the Magistrate rules the land with an iron fist and zero tolerance. Now it's time for the lunatics to take back their town. Follow Croc, Two-Face, Phosphorus, Zaz, Clayface, and Astrid Arkham as the Arkham Knights raise holy hell on the occupiers of Gotham. So yeah, um, lots of stuff going on here. I'm excited for all three of these stories, uh, which I don't know if I can say about all of the uh, multi-story books in Future State. So I'm really looking forward to this. Characters that have either been long-time uh, mainstays of DC Comics, like Katana, or even new editions like Astrid Arkham, are being put front and center where they should be. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited about Future State in general, and everything kicks off this week. This is the starting line for Future State. So to recap... We've got Iron Man number five, Dark Knight's Death Metal number seven, Generations Shattered number one, Future State Superman of Metropolis number one, Future State The Flash number one, Strange Adventures number eight, Firepower number seven, Thor number 11, Future State Wonder Woman number one, and the next Batman number one. Future State is upon us. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us here on the Geek Explained Podcast and you like what I do here, please feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice. really does help me out, really helps out the podcast. Subscriptions raise the stock of this podcast and the podcasting sphere and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you you also if you want to give us a follow on twitter and instagram on the socials you can find us at geeksplained pod that's at geeksplained p-o-d i love engaging with you guys there if you want to keep up to date with the podcast that is the place to go that's where you'll find uh, links to every new episode that drops, as well as polls, conversations, and some uh, news that I can't wait to talk about on the podcast. Really excited. Uh, also, if you want to drop a review for us, it would help me out a lot. Uh, ratings and reviews help out the podcast more than I can say. Honestly, it really it really does help. Um Getting those ratings and reviews uh, not only helps me, because this is, of course, a podcast by a geek for geeks. Uh, I take all of the... Um 
all of the feedback that I get for this podcast and apply it. Uh, but it also helps, you know, get the word out there for this podcast. When people are looking it up, when people are seeing it for the first time and they see good reviews, it helps me out and it helps get more listeners to us and to the podcast. And if you end up leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can write whatever you want. You get me that five-star review or that five-star rating, and I will read your review here. You can join the likes of our four horsemen, Seafire ND, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, and Burrito Man 88 Big thank you to them for leaving their reviews, and I can't wait to hear yours. Also, if you want to be part of our Geeksplain mailbag, if you want to send a question in to me, if you want to get my opinion on something, uh, you want to get like a quick pitch, um... Anything you have that you want me to talk about or you want me to uh, answer for you, uh, you can send those emails to geeksplained at gmail.com with the subject header mailbag, and I will read them on here. And that is pretty much going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, 2021 is here. We've got a lot on the horizon. I want to hear from you. What is your most anticipated uh, film, TV show, comic Video game coming up this year. You can send that in the mailbag. You can uh, let me know on Twitter. Let me know. I'm really excited about this year. There's a lot of stuff to be excited about. And even though um, it's not going to be all smooth sailings, we've got a lot to fall back on. And uh, you can always trust that this podcast will be coming out each week. That is going to do it for this week. Next week, I'm very excited to say, will be our latest Geek Explains Spotlight on Tom King's Vision. Really excited to talk about this. Uh, th that's uh, Tom King and Gabriel Waltz's vision. But with uh, WandaVision dropping next Friday as of this recording, I think it's as good a time as any to put the spotlight on the comic that they are blatantly taking uh, inspiration from to tell this amazing story. So tune in next week for that Geek Explained Spotlight on Tom King and Gabriel Waltz's vision. Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for Geek Explained, this is Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, and we will see you next time. Oh, <laughs>